Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to A Faith That Makes Sense, the podcast, and uh, we're glad you're here listening along with us. And uh, I'm here. I'm Wes Shuttleworth, and I'm here with uh, Dan Parker. And uh, yeah, big welcome to all of you guys for listening. Um, yeah, we're 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 on to the second episode here. Uh, second episode, and this is a series we're calling this series "Spellbound: How Western Christianity Became Enslaved to the Gods of This World." And so, episode two is a decision to look the other way. That's what we're calling this one. And so, that's kind of leading us. Um, that title is where we're looking to take this episode where we're going to be splitting this up in probably two or three even we'll see how far we go but uh we got a lot of ground to cover and um yeah like i mean again we used a lot of you know sort of heavy words here you know enslaved um spellbound so like dan like what are we talking about here why why are we using these words and give us a little recap here we got a couple things yeah, spellbound is a very strong statement, but it represents um, what I feel has really happened with these idols. So what mm. we started out in our last podcast, if you remember, we were talking about Baal, Ashtoreth, and Molech, and how they've come back in, how we feel they've come back into mm-hmm. the Western culture. And that that's a big statement, and we know that, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and... Oh, through many episodes, we're going to sort of like really pull this out, explode it open. And like, unfortunately, to see it, if you can imagine a ball of, of, of you know, twine or let's say a ball of wool, that's what this is. It, it, I mean, there's so many threads and things that are interlo- interlinked into our culture about it. So we have to take one thread kind of at a time, <laughs> one thing at a time. And it might take us a while to to get through these things. So he, so we got spellbound and yeah. and the other word is enslaved. Yeah, and and that's not great either Ugh. because as Christians we never want to be able to not only recognize something like that but believe that it's actually happened. Yeah, but that's why we want to make a couple of really strong points when we start that yes. we are a body of Christ. Mm. We're in this together. Right. So it's not like there's bad Christians and there's good Christians. We're all in here together. Technically, Dan, it's all bad Christians. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. why we need a savior, right? That's, <laughs> let's exactly. just say it, right? We're all bad. We need Christ. That's right. And and that's the biggest point is like we're in a discussion here. We're, we're trying to figure this out ourselves. We're looking at information from hundreds of different authors and people and over the course of a decade, 120 years, right, of, of yeah. this. So, yeah, this conversation is exactly that. It's a discussion. It's a conversation. We're not on a high horse here. We haven't figured this out in terms of all the details here. We're just sort of laying out the facts. We're sort of laying it all out there for you, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we're hoping. You guys who are who are really uh, sold out for Jesus, if Christ is your Lord, if, if you are under his lordship, that's, I mean, he is everything to you and uh and of course the word is really your ultimate authority then yeah that this is for you this is what it's for Amen. so so welcome welcome to the 
to the combo, you know. Imagine like walking into a barber shop, you know. You're joining us in our deep conversation of the world. So it's <laughs> a good way to put it. Yep. So we're not going to start off light. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's hit it. Um, Jonathan Kahn, he uh, has re- recently written a book, and it's called The Return of the Gods. And it's interesting that I've been studying this for 30 years. Mm. And now he has this book where he says, Baal, Ashtoreth, and Molech have come back into mm. our society. Uh, that's boy. that's kind of a dramatic revelation that he's trying to bring to the church. Mm. And it's really not that new. Mm. Because I've read of others who feel that Baal and Ashtoreth have been around too. However, he does a fantastic job to be able to give us the background on these and the a little bit of Greek and mm. uh, Hebrew and uh, it's a highly recommended okay okay um, as a book but he describes Baal as the master Ashtoreth as a seducer and Moloch as the destroyer but this is where it gets really interesting because in our last podcast we talked about the idea of everyone wanting to go back to uh, 1960. And I'm saying we have to go back uh, another 60 years to 1900. Or more. Or more. Right. Yeah. And um, or and then take it in the bigger picture of 6,000 years. However, what we want to be able to identify here is, is that why would Jonathan um, stop there? What is mm. it that caused him to stop? And Where did he stop? Just He just identified them? He identified then... them as coming in in the 60s. Like, for instance, the seducer, Ashtoreth, would be the sexual revolution. Okay. Uh, Baal, the master who took uh, the commandments and prayer out of the schools. Oh, okay. Okay. And then his idea of Moloch is when abortion came in, mm. the destroyer. Um, and so he goes into uh, a fair amount of depth on that. We are going to talk about the same things. Mm except for the fact that I want to say that that's kind of convenient. And that's what we talked a little bit about in the first episode. The problem with us today is we like to stop there because it makes us as Christians look good, to be honest with you. Okay, so we're identifying it, but we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, we're identifying the wrong thing. Oh, okay. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Okay, we won't take it far enough. And, you know, that's one of the conversations, and I could go on a long time on this, because (laughs) um, in studying this over these 30 years, one of the perplexing things for me has been, how is, like, say, you as a Christian not getting this? Uh Like, what is it that's preventing you from realizing, this is so obvious, what are you missing? And even others over the years that I've talked to, it's like, you're a stronger Christian than I am. You're more mature. Why aren't you getting this? And then so the obvious answer to others would be, well, then obviously you're not right. Mm. And it's like, but mine makes sense. (laughs) This is a faith that makes sense. Yours doesn't. Mm. All my research points to it. All the evidence points to it. So what you come to realize is don't want to acknowledge it because of the cost. That's where the problem comes in. That's the underlying issue. Yeah, and so then I got into this little thing about, well, how do you do that mentally? How do you um, irrationally and illogically follow this through to a dead end? 
and it's pretty interesting actually and i don't want to go off on this because we could go a long yeah, we way can get into the psychology yeah, here right well because it's inhibitors in the brain mm. from the left to the right and it's really interesting that now they say that the master of uh, actually ian gilchrist he um, says that the master, where most people would think would it would be on the left side, which is the logical and the rational side, is on the right side, which is more of your um, emotional, emotional, mm. and uh, not just emotions, more of your heart. We would say as Christians, as your heart, your, right. your real drives mm. and what really motivates you. Hmm. Anyway, but these inhibitors are fascinating. The fact that. We can just shut down any illogical process that we don't like. And without even, and here's the kicker, without even bringing it to consciousness. We, we just, do it before it even has a chance to get in, in there. Wow. So, and the way that would work is, is, is like, for instance, in a, in a war situation where you, you know you're doing wrong, mm. but your life is on the line, so you're going to do it anyway. Or... You know, a classic actually is um, for Christians, we're going to get married anyway. So what difference does it matter whether we right. sleep together before? Right. You know, and mm. so they just... Knowing it's they, fully wrong. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> you just block it out because, right. you know, you're driven that way. Right. And I mean, and again, we're all sinners, right? right. So yeah. we're there. Yep. But but what I find, and this is, I'm going to end on this because now that you've touched on it. <laughs> <laughs> now we came into this. Yeah, area. now okay. we came into this rabbit trail. Okay. I just think the mind is so phenomenal because like when, in, and this may seem a little strange, but even in a, like a Scrabble game, when you think about what you're doing, you're taking a random letters, you're trying to arrange them in a, in a pattern, but then you have to arrange them with the other person's word. And you want to get the maximum points. Right. And you really put the crunch on. Your mind is just burning out trying to get this point. Or, or trying to get the p maximum points. Right, right. But here's where it comes into our conversation. We're going to talk about some really tough subjects here. Are you going to put the effort forward to find out if I'm telling the truth or to prove me wrong because you don't want to go there. Mm. And really, I've seen that over and over and over again. Wouldn't you think, though, mm. if somebody really wanted to prove you wrong and was honest about it, would they find the information and facts pretty easily? Now, it might still be a challenge, but like, let's say they start researching some of this stuff themselves. What do you think? Would they, would they find it? No. Oh. No. And see, I think that's, this is actually taking us in an interesting direction, <laughs> this yeah. conversation, because I am going to now go to Kierkegaard. Okay. And he's our buddy Soren. from, from 1900s. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, was 1813 to 1855. And I want to talk about something evasion. Mm. And that's the whole point. You do not have to have arguments for defense. You just have to shoot it down by avoiding it, evading this the conversation, which we've done as Christians, okay? So th for some, this would be very pointed. So let me just read this for a second, see if it connects at all. In the inner world, man uses cleverness in a ruinous way in order to keep himself from coming to a decision. In countless ways, cleverness can be so misused but in order, once again, not to multiply that which is unimportant, this is a quote from, you know, and Kierkegaard was mm -hmm. a philosopher. And mm -hmm. 
To forsake one's post, to desert in battle, is always disgraceful. But cleverness has invented an ingen ingenious device that apparently prevents flight. It's evasion. By the help of evasion, namely one does not come into danger. Neither does he lose his honor by running away from danger. On the contrary, one does not come into danger at all. That's one advantage. And one wins great honor as being especially clever. That is a second advantage. Only eternity and God, and so also the Holy Scriptures, are of another opinion about this matter of evasions and about the much-honored clever ones. Mm. Now, that may seem like a long quote, but it really strikes me in a, in a, in a way that I've experienced. Right. And that is, when you don't want to address something, you just have to avoid it. Yeah, just shoot it down. You, you, never, you never have to worry about finding something you're trying to avoid. Mm. <laughs> okay. And that's, are you are you saying this is yeah. something you have experienced, Dan? <laughs> uh, over and over. I've, I've used it myself. Okay. I'm sure, but I found it a lot in this. When yeah. you have when you start the conversation going down this road, mm. uh, the best thing to do is yeah that that sounds interesting and and then walk away and then walk away right and the and I think we've talked about it a little bit. It's because people have an have a sense of okay if i continue down this thought process yeah i know where this is going uh -huh. eventually i'm not so sure i want to give that up i Ex don't know <laughs> exactly so before you even yeah. say yeah the end cost yeah. they're seeing it could lead there and they're saying oh disengage walk yeah. away yeah okay. i don't have to believe that right right yeah. right right okay. okay well now what is that dan yeah <laughs> what what conversations would possibly cause people to evade the final answer hmm? well what are we we're, doing we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna break into it by leggings oh okay. leggings yes. yeah we're gonna start the conversation that's not the end point but it is somewhere where we're gonna begin because it's going to identify what we want to talk about because so we're starting here but right. this is just a a symptom. Is it a symptom? What is yes. this? This is a symptom of the well, greater it, issue. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, process because it's important to, I'm going to say, principalities and powers of darkness um, because it is one of those things that they have used as a, as a what I call a roving attack mm. on uh, the church, on society. Mm. And so we're going to we're going to move in that direction. Okay. So let's just let's just go there and we'll see what happens from there. Okay. So we're going to start with Marianne White and uh, Susan Vanker. Right. Marianne White was a mother who just went to the uh, Basilica in Notre Dame University with her boys. Sat down to, to a mass and um, and in come these uh, girls to sit in front of her and her boys and they're wearing the tight leggings and crop tops and it was a real shock to mrs white so it just kind of it just blew her away now i'm sure she had seen other things in in the society sure or, like not in uh, church yeah you mean yeah other anywhere? places sure. well and and how much i don't know because yeah. it sure kind of gave her that jolt yeah and so she's thinking wait a minute we're supposed to be focusing on what's happening at the front of the church 
these girls are there and it's like and she says i'm in shock like i just can't believe this. she's blushing right she's like what and she says if i am Mm. what are my boys thinking Mm. and what are the men around us thinking Mm. so then she kind of goes home reprocesses the whole thing and then writes a letter to the observer which is the school newspaper oops bad no choice yeah (laughs) i already know i already know (laughs) yeah so they they kind of lambaste her and all the girls fight back and even you know the boys at the university but mostly the girls and they say hey you know we just you know think that you're crossing a line here so we're going to have a leggings day yep and so the whole just in spite of the whole thing well then other outside groups join in with them and say we're behind you Mm. we're with you in this so we're going to show our leggings too we're going to prove that men have no right to tell us what we can and can't men it's a mom come on like honestly that's right doesn't even matter though yeah okay okay so susan venker and she is a an interesting one not a Christian that I would say. I'm. I'm not going to say she can't be, but she. She on her website she has nothing that says identifies her as a Christian, right? But she wrote a book, War on Men. Hmm. So she is what somebody I would consider a um, world uh, prophetic voice. Okay. Okay. Like the, Paul says it to um, Timothy once. He says, you know, Christians. Their own prophets say they're liars, um, lazy, and drunks. Hmm. And he says, and that's true. <laughs> so, uh, okay. yeah. And he, but if you notice the word there, he says their own prophets. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the world has its prophets too. They actually do say some things that are truthful, but they don't carry them through to the gospel side, right? And maybe they don't know, even know where they're getting their their truthfulness from. So they, they're talking about a standard, but mm-hmm. do they know where that standard ultimately lies? Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But right. like even even Jordan Peterson, I don't think he's ever come to Christ. No. But he certainly holds to a very Judeo-Christian morality yeah. on things, mm-hmm. which I is agree. surprising. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, and we hope one day he does. Have I hope that so too. Yeah. Revelation. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Susan Venker comes to her defense and says, "Of course, uh, leggings are sexually arousing." Duh. Mm. Okay, so she's making this point in the uh, Washington Examiner. Also so, pretty leftist leaning, I'm assuming, I think, right? Uh, no. No? Le- leftist? Like as the in Washington like... Examiner is conservative. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. it's a conservative. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's a conservative paper. So anyway, um, so Marianne, she calls them the uh, blackly naked rear ends, right, that were in front of her. And so she says, of course... This is Susan Venker. She says, of course, Mrs. White is right. Wearing leggings sexualizes women's bodies. There's no way you don't see a difference. Are women entitled to wear what they please? Absolutely. But they're not entitled to wear what they please and then demand everyone in their midst pretend not to notice. That's short-sighted and infantile. If you don't want to be sexualized, there's an easy answer to that. Stop sexualizing yourselves. Mm. So where that goes for us is the idea of where where are the men? Mm. What are the men saying? You mean the leaders of the church? The leaders of the church? Right. uh, Those who could come to her defense. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so the point being is they are making a very clear point, a moral point. They're saying, this is over the top. 
what are we doing about it morally? And so really, Mrs. White is making a, or offering a question to church leadership. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, duh, we know it's wrong. So what are you doing about it? And they evaded it. Mm. And I believe most evade it. Don't talk about it. Mm. And this is where it comes into the point of what we talked. Well, we get a little bit, get into with uh, Spellbound. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, I want to point out that I believe that the reason we're holding off from saying anything is because of that very thing. Not realizing that we are mesmerized, hypnotized, um, transfixed mm. by it, mm. and basically seduced and beguiled. Now, mm. those are strong terms, <laughs> and they come from where we know. You know, we've heard them in the Bible before. Yep. And what happens is, I don't think we're admitting how powerful that statement is to men, for them to be uh, witnessing that and to see society transform to that. We let on like it doesn't bother us anymore. Well, we right? have to, unfortunately. Ex At least we have yeah. to pretend like we have to. Yeah. But there's a problem with that because it enslaves us. And, you know, I want to bring in those words. Subjugated, dependent, restricted, confined, and servitude. Those are not good words for Christians. No. And so how I want to bring that uh, in with the rest is the idea that when we, when we deny what's happening here, it's illogical. Hmm. It doesn't make sense. Because what we're saying is, yeah, it's okay for my daughters and my wife and others to uh, go out there and what? Entice other men hmm. to sin. And I think it's like you've said before, right? Uh, don't you want us to be faithful to Christ? Don't you want us to um, not be um, drawn in to your uh, seduction mm -hmm. and we really have to start off with some disclaimers here i i because you know it's it's critical i do not believe any of these men and girls that of christian background that are doing this are doing it for that purpose mm -hmm. they don't see it like we do so they see it as a form of it is an attention getting thing i'm not denying that so there's not a there is a bit of uh self in there mm -hmm. but they don't realize how far it really goes I that's think, the problem i think you're kind of hitting it like nobody wants to like people want to be attractive like i mean we wear clothes that's that are it. nice okay mm -hmm. we don't wear shabby clothes all the time however because of where our culture is at leggings have been put into the category of nice clothes now you look good with wearing them yeah However, that's actually, we're trying to say, that's actually not true. That's it goes further than that. It mm. goes further into a, to a different realm. And um, I, I'll be honest, it, it is, it's something I've, we've all seen it sort of like slowly slide in. It almost kind of, um, uh, it was so smooth, the transition, that it was, uh, it wasn't jarring or anything. And so now all of a sudden it's it's so popular and it, you're like, well, 
what's the big deal, right? This is what happened over what had maybe ten years. I don't know, yeah. fifteen. It was years? pretty quick. I was amazed how fast it came in. Mm. But I'm really glad you said that it kind of slipped itself in. It did, yeah. But but what I want to kind of point out from that is that's where it comes into a passage that comes from First Samuel thirteen seventeen, and it's the story of when Saul was. Um, removed as king but David was still around and uh, the Philistines were sending out uh, raiders spoilers to attack uh, Israel hmm. and the reason they were able to do that is because Israel was subjugated to them and what to the Philistines to the Philistines and so it's by sending out spoilers and raiders, it's kind of like, so what are you going to do about it? Mm. And really, leggings are the same thing. They are they are a move by principalities and powers to say, hey, what are you going to do about it? Mm. We're move we're moving culture in this direction, and there's nothing you can do. Come about on, it. Christians, what are you going to do yeah. about it? It's exactly. the bully on the playground, the big guy is pushing the little guy around. Exactly. You know what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to push you here. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll kick you a little bit. Now what are you going to do? Right. Exactly. Mm. And so I want to make a, because, uh, you know, we can easily say, I only half agree with you. Mm. But I want to make a little bit of a point because the world is saying, hey, these leggings, are they right? Are they morally acceptable or not? So we have some examples here, like at Brigham Young University, okay? This is 2015. Uh, they, uh, Jenna, Crawford says, many Brigham Young students have been turned away from the testing center for wearing leggings. Mm. Now, Brigham Young, that's a Mormon, right? Yeah. That's the Mormon that's right. school. Yeah. Okay. okay. In 2017, United Airlines flight, because their leggings were seen as inappropriate dress code, they were... Um, not allowed to get on the flight. Oh, some people, so, some so, but employees? They, yeah, yeah, they were past travelers. So that okay. means somebody in the um, airline worked for them, and mm. so they were given the, the tickets. Flight back, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so they could do it. But mm. the, the point being, these people who turned them away were not because they were trying to make a Christian point, mm. not a biblical moral point. They were just turned away because they saw them as being immoral, right, right for right. the thing. So I want to just give a couple more here. Uh, US USA Today. Turbulent times. The leggings debate makes us so uncomfortable. Um, huh. 2015. It's a debate that has raged for as long as leggings have been fashionable. Critics compa complain they're too revealing or inappropriate for most pant-demanding situations. Hmm. Vogue. Vogue. Why are we still debating the appropriateness of leggings? Of course, Bogue would say that. Yeah. Well, New sure. York Times, and I think they're baiting their readers with this one, right? Yeah. Are there any limits to leggings anymore? Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Like, what are they saying there? And yeah. I think it's pretty obvious because when you see some of the leggings, you realize there are no limits anymore, right? right? And that's, that's a good point. Not all leggings are the same either. Would we mm -hmm. agree? Like, there's yeah. even, like... There's like stretchy style jeans out there, and then there's leggings with like full on lace. Like I mean, yeah. it's like, a, like it's there's not much right. there. Right. That being said, yeah. No, <laughs> that being said, yeah. there there is still an element that the, 
it's um it still leads you in the same direction right. maybe not at the same level but it all pulls you in the same direction as uh vanker would say right right it just like, does duh yep duh. yeah but but our point is going to get right directly towards um how did it get there yeah how did this come in so the question becomes when i grew up and i remember hearing this on a podcast or a, a service of andy stanley he said we knew that when people women wore those things we knew what kind of woman they were and they were looking for sexual attention solely to stir men up now it's important to realize that when prostitutes is that what they still call them anyway mm. uh wore them or uh celebrities or whatever they did it for a specific reason olivia newton john right in mm. greece that's what she kind of brought in um they did not wear them because they were prostitutes they wore them because they were an item that got attention. So here's the question. We live in this day and age. Why would they not get the same attention? What's the question? And so why did it change? Mm. How what did happened? it change? What happened from not acceptable in, let's say, just civilized society yep. to... Not just accepted, but extremely popular to anybody and everybody. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so, what would they say? How would they answer that? The world so or the church? Both. Both. Okay. So, like for instance, we're saying leggings are sinful. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's a, it's an act of sin. And so, what? How would they respond to that? Hmm. How would they respond? You're old-fashioned. Yeah. You're not with the times. Yeah. Things have changed. Mm. It was Victorian era. Mm -hmm. Puritan. Right? Yep. But there's a question, and this is going to lead us into where we want to head. Nobody in history believes that. Mm -hmm. do, you realize, do you realize that when we have moved into this area of leggings, like a lot of other things, we're the only ones in history that have ever done this? So all of a sudden, I want to take it from not just if we go back to, say, 1900, you're going to say, well, that's the, what they wore back then. Yeah, but did you realize that's what we've wore since the Garden of Eden? Mm. Like the question becomes, this is a item of clothing that definitely draws your attention to a woman's rear. And for what reason? And men like and I remember having a conversation with my wife about this, and she says, what kind of men, mm. in most cases, does it draw, w want that attention? You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, either, it's either sports mm -hmm. or feminine men. Right. Right? I mean, right. who's going to run around in tights? Yeah. You do, how often do you see that? Right. right. Or you're in a 16th century uh, Victorian painting. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> but even then... That actually leads to your point, <laughs> because and I, I, I'm like pretty confident in this answer. But like even then, the got kings and princes wore those pants. Yeah, 
because it looked good at the time. Yeah. <laughs> to draw attention, attention. to their legs. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, very uh even it's then. Even then. I mean, it, different different um utilization, but still like it was the same it's the same sin. It's the same thing, just repackaged. <laughs> That's right. And I guess so the the two points we want to make because we want to be, kind of wrap this up so that we can keep going mm-hmm. in, an, in our other episodes to get to Ashtoreth, and we'll get right down on it. Ashtoreth, uh-oh, you laid the yeah. name down. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's where we're Actually, getting. <laughs> that's where we're headed. But what we want to say is, okay, there were a lot of things at the in about 10 years ago, and then as, as leggings came in, there were a lot of non-Christians that said, there's a problem with this. And the question becomes... What changes it? Mm. What makes it okay? Because honestly, I would think the women and girls I know that do it now wouldn't have been the trendsetters. And that's what happens in the Christian church. Mm. That's what we're famous for. Mm. The world brings it in so heavy. Or slowly and incrementally and indiscernibly. Mm -hmm. But then they go to the excess and we think, well, we're not that bad. We're yeah. back. We're back here. Right. So, right. So the question becomes, it was sinful. Now, why is it acceptable? It did create a sexual sin. It still creates a sexual sin. So how can we say it's okay now? Hmm. But there's a couple of points that we really need to make be- just to close this leggings thing off because mm-hmm. we don't want to dwell on it. Right. We want to make a point from it. That is that men know that. So there's a game being played here. Women are getting the attention they want and men are denying that it's as strong as it is. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I want to I want to finish with a Ranky uh, Tony Ranky right Yep um, He wrote a book Spectacles and he's a well respected guy Yep he's a Christian guy and, author right? podcast host for uh, John Piper's John uh, Piper Desiring God so great great pastor yeah. if you don't know him already John Piper yep. check him out Super guy Well respected in mm-hmm. the church Yep Okay so in his book uh, Competing Spectacles he says biologically it appears the visual visual apparatus is much more connected to the male sexuality, says feminist Camille Peglia. The lustful eyes of a man are powerfully captured by the body of a woman. The flaunted, sexualized woman is a fail-safe strategy for spectacles meant to gra- grab man, men by the eyeballs. But the phenomenon also works relationally. This is what women don't understand, warns. Peglia. They think they can put on every kind of sexy costume and it's merely decor. And that's what you were saying a minute ago. It's just another piece of clothing. Right. right? That it does not carry its own message. They don't see things as visually as men do. In some, she says, there's a charge in female sexuality. Young women today want to weld the power of female sexuality without then accepting the consequences of it. Female sexuality is an electrified spectacle and every woman learns about this mysterious wattage she employs to control the attention of men, a power that grows if she's willing to reveal more 
of her unimpeded curves and expose more of her skin. And that's the feminist. That's the feminist talking saying that. in Tony Ranke's book, and Tony's, Tony's quoting her. That's right. And this is what she is saying. This is which what she's is saying. a striking statement. Very. Uh, for Very. a feminist to say. Yeah. Um, which is surprising. Yeah, but this is where we get to the point. Mm. Because women think that men go to the same level of fun and games mm -hmm. that they do. So they they want the attention, which they get, and it's obvious because you just have to Google this yourself mm -hmm. and you'll see all the articles, all the statements yep. that are around it. And they think, well, you're just having the same fun we are. So so have a good look, right? right. But it it's not the same. No. It draws us in. And I guess the reason, one of, one of the reasons I wanted to say that now is because, hey, guys, if you're letting your wife wear these things. Or your children. And your girls, you know what they're doing. And you know who's looking. Mm -hmm. Because you know you're looking, not at your wife, not at your kids, other people's kids, other people's wives. You're being drawn into that world, too. And so what I... Where that comes in is that's enslavement. Mm. That's enslavement in the fact that we cannot stop it. Mm. And, the, and the second side of it is the real carnal side, we like it. It's spellbinding. It's almost like, well, this is kind of cool that our society is like this. Now, we'd never admit that. We'd never talk about that. But the fact that it's everywhere... It's kind of like there's a, a bit of a charge from it in, in these situations, right? Mm. Except you do. Except you would say, I don't want you looking at my daughter. I don't want you looking at my wife. Correct. But you're looking mm -hmm. at others, even if you don't want to. And I'm not saying you're doing it on uh, Christian men are doing it on purpose. No. But it's there. Yeah. But here's where it gets into the real point of our discussion, that it was demonic influences that took society in that direction and the church has no way to stop it that's spellbound that's enslavement because our wives and kids are doing it and they're just going along with culture and my final point is that's because Ashtoreth reigns and rules in western culture right. the great seducer and that's where we're going. That's be. where we're stopping. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to continue down this path of Ashtaroth and the uh, the scorched earth that we see in the church and, of course, in culture as a result, really, of, I would say, the church not pushing back as strong as it needed to from the beginning. Um, we're going to go deeper. We're going to pull on this thread that we call Ashtaroth, this principality and power. It's it's a, it's the old name that's sort of like we're applying to this the new sexualized culture that we're in. It's the old name that you guys can, we, we talked about in Gideon's time, right? Ashtaroth right. pole and stuff like that, right? Alright. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you do have any questions, comments, suggestions, whatever you want to do, we would love to hear from you. And we have an email address. It's, it's uh, a faith that makes sense and makes sense has two S's uh, at Outlook. 
gmail.com. So if you do have any comments and thoughts, please send it. Please send us your way, um, and we'll 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 respond in some way, either by email or maybe even by a podcast. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. So, thanks again, and uh, tune in for our next one as we continue talking about Astroth and the effect this principality has had on our culture. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of life in our Lord Jesus Christ endures forever.